Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of a God that draws near to those that draw near to Him. The proximity of you to Jesus is going to let you know exactly who you are. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. That's where we want to be. That our boldness, our confidence is in Him with a broken, humble spirit that looks to Him and Him alone. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In Luke 5:4, Jesus commanded Peter to cast out his fishing nets one last time for the day. The result was incredible. There are those stories that all fishermen tell about good catches, but this beat all that Peter had ever heard by far. The nets were so full they began to break. The harvest was so large that the boat began to sink. The catch of a lifetime had been made, and now it was time to hook the fishermen. Pastor Xavier opens to Luke chapter 5 in our study series of Luke for today's Simple Truths. Let's listen. Jesus has been preaching for about a year or so around the area of the Galilee, as you know. Crowds are growing. Their needs are being met, particularly in the physical area. Healings have been going on. And there's always that aspect of people who are attracted to these things. In fact, Jesus rebuked many of them. He says, you seek me not because of my word, but because of the food I give you. So there's always that aspect when it comes to Christianity. We have to be careful that we don't mistake in the work of God with those who just come for needs. Uh, We don't know the heart, so we let time run and see what's going on. That's important. Now, in the midst of all of this, we get the call of Peter, which is characterized by three things in these 11 verses. First is the setting for the call of Peter, verse 1 through 3. Secondly, we have the single most important lesson for the call of Peter in verses 4 through 8. Thirdly, you have the sound decision at the call of Peter in verse 9 through 11. The setting for the call of Peter sets the stage in verse 1 through 3. Notice in verse 1, Jesus was teaching the word in Galilee. The conditions upon Jesus are very descriptive. It says, so it was so as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Literally it says, while Jesus was speaking, the crowds of people were so closely packed together, they were pressing on him. The demands on Jesus were real, and they were great. The conditions was awkward here, as well as dangers. We know how volatile people can be. And when people are in a crowd mom mentality and they want their needs met or whatever it is, it can get pretty spooky. Now, the people were eager to hear the word of God, notice. They were there, hungry for the word. Remember, Jesus had been preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. The last verse of chapter 4, verse 44, tells us that. Again, it's been about a year in ministry, and word's getting out. Now, the exact location is also given that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. There are different names for the lake. There is also the name Galilee. Galilee because the region of Galilee laid along the western shore. And then there's the name Chenereth in the Old Testament, 
meaning harp, because from an aerial view, the lake is in the shape of a harp. Now, how did they know that? Well, there's great cliffs high enough you can see that in the region there. And the Sea of Tiberias is also another name because the city of that name is on the shore. And so you've got these different names, but it's a body of water that is fresh water, not salt. They just call it the Sea of Galilee. It's about 14 miles long, nine miles wide, 686 feet below sea level. It's depressed, so therefore, when in the open on the north, the winds come in, and that's why the waves can come up in a matter of just five minutes, six, seven feet high. Very volatile. Now, the Greek here indicates that Jesus had been standing for a long time as well as the multitudes. Notice in verse 2 and 3, Jesus was looking for a better platform from which he could continue to teach the multitudes. His eye caught a perfect spot. Some unoccupied boats were present. It says, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. Uh, the men were ready to go home, so the boats were docked there on the shore. And it says, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So they've, they've been fishing all night, as we're going to see. They're done with, with the task. They're, they're cleaning up from all night fishing. It's, um, it's hard work. It's long work. And as we'll see, very frustrating work when you put in many hours and get nothing in return. In verse 3, notice he stepped into one of the boats. Jesus chose Peter's boat. It says, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now, this was no coincidence. We'll see this because Peter is the target of this entire encounter. Though there are others around and others will be affected, he's the bullseye. Jesus asked Peter to assist him at this point. And he asked him to put out a little from the land so that he would not be so enclosed as before with the crowds. The sound would travel also as the wind went towards the people and the sound would carry. Now Jesus continued his teaching, it says. He sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Peter is also sitting under this teaching notice. He's listening to the word. He is part of one of the people. Peter has always, already has had about a year contact with Jesus. We're going to see that. I'll point this out in the contrast of the different passages. So this is nothing new, nor is it the first time. The parallel passages are found in Matthew and Mark. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, in Mark 1, 16 through 20, and many of your Bibles will have your parallel passages. What they won't tell you often, and most commentators, is that there is a great and clear difference between these passages in Mark and Matthew from Luke's. Many of them see them as the exact same event. Wrong. In Matthew and Mark, Jesus is walking alone by the Sea of Galilee. In Luke, Jesus is standing pressed by the multitudes. In Matthew and Mark, the men are in their boats casting nets into the Sea of Galilee. In Luke, the two men are washing their nets. In Matthew and Mark, there is no people, no audience. In Luke, Jesus is teaching the crowds of the multitudes. 
In Matthew and Mark, four disciples receive a call to be fishers of men. In Luke, Peter is personally dealt with, though John and James are included. Big difference. This is the third encounter with Peter for his call to preach the gospel. John gives us the first encounter of Jesus at Jerusalem or the region outside of Jerusalem where John was baptizing. And you find that in John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 35 through 51, as two of the disciples of John the Baptist, John and Andrew, were talking to John the Baptist about his cousin Jesus, the Messiah. And John says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And they too went to Jesus and began to talk with him. And then Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus, Philip, and Nathaniel. So that's John 1, 35 through 51. That's the first encounter. That's, at this point, it's a year already. The second one is the parallel passage of Matthew and Mark. Matthew 4, 18 through 22, and Mark 1, 16 through 20. There he says he would make him fishers of men. And that's all. Twice they had gone back fishing. John's the first, Matthew and Mark's the second. Luke's account is the third encounter, the third time here that now Peter is being called to be a fisherman, very, very specific. Don't miss the uniqueness of Luke. It is here in verse 1 through 11. A normal day of work, fishing, God chose that manner to call Peter. A normal day of Nehemiah in the Shushan, the palace, the citadel. Nehemiah is a cupbearer. He is tasting the food and drink of the king, Artaxerxes, lest someone try to poison him. When he gets into a conversation with one of his brothers, and it's believed to be his brother Hanani, returning from Jerusalem, and he asks him about the condition of the walls and the gates that are burned down and the people scattered, and it breaks his heart, and he starts seeking the Lord, and God uses that to put a call in the heart of Nehemiah to return. Normal day, normal things. God manifests the supernatural. How important it is that people sit under the teaching of the Word of God. If you are reluctant to sin of the Word of God or sporadically do so, you will be living your life out by your emotions and people's opinions and what you think is best. It's very dangerous. As you sit under the Word of God, God is able to deal with your heart. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, powerful for doctrine, correction, and instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21 says that the men of old did not speak of their own impulse, but they spoke as the Holy Spirit carried them. So what you have is God's inerrant and fallible word to direct and guide every decision of your life. It's the plumb line for you and I. Today in many churches in America, we are being told that teaching and studying the word of God is archaic or confusing or not necessary. Really? Wow. Why are we told to study, meditate, to examine, to grow? Those who sit under the teaching of the word of God have the advantage 
of God being able to speak, convict, comfort, guide, and direct our lives through the scriptures. It's not always what we want to hear from God. It's not always what I want to do, but it's always what I need to do. If I yield to my flesh and my emotions and my mind, my intellect, how I can look back on my life, how often I would have destroyed my life, and I, as your pastor, would not stand in before you. Let the word constrain you, restrict you to walk with God. The setting for the call of Peter was the teaching of the word of God. It's so simple. <laughs> One thing, that's it. The word of God. Secondly, notice the single most important lesson for the call of Peter comes in verse 4 through 8. Jesus commanded Peter to go fishing. Jesus gave two orders to Peter in verse 4. The point in time is stated when he had stopped speaking. So in other words, he's through teaching the multitudes. The first order was to go out into the lake. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep. This is an imperative command in the era is active. Jesus was not asking or suggesting. It's an order. The second order was to cast his nets and let down your nets for a catch. Again, an imperative command. The error is active tense. But Peter answered and said to him, Master, <laughs> we're going to see that he'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. He's frustrated. He's tired. He's just finished cleaning his nets. Master means having authority over someone, a superintendent, an overseer. What a contradiction. Peter had to constantly learn this. You remember in Acts, in the house of Cornelius, before he went there, he was up in the rooftop, and God said, take, kill, and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. What a contradiction. Not and Lord don't go together. Peter's at Antioch, Galatians chapter 2. He's eating pork chops with the Gentiles. Jews come over from Jerusalem. He tiptoes to the Jewish table. And Paul just confronts him to the face and rebukes him. We're just like Peter. Human. We have to learn this lesson every day. The phrase master is used for Jesus here in Luke's gospel only. It's not found in the other synoptic gospels. You have rabbi, you have teacher, but not master. Now, the two reasons are based on Peter's life, listen, expertise on fishing. The first reason, we have toiled all night. You got to see his face and hear his tone. Wanting to be respectful, but saying to himself, I am the fisherman. You're a preacher and a teacher. The word labor means to the point of weariness and exhaustion. The second reason is, and caught nothing. He had come back empty-handed from all night fishing. You ever do something like that? Spend an entire day working? Got everything done? Then on the last turn, you turn something too tight and you break the whole thing. Now you think you're the only one. Well, but it happens to everybody. <laughs> Peter reluctantly declared he would obey Jesus. He would do it against his better and professional judgment. Listen to the word. Nevertheless, 
And you've got to look at the face, rolling the eyes and, all right. We're people. We know how that goes, right? We've got kids. We really know how that goes. You see, as Jesus was telling Peter to launch out into the deep and let down his nets, Peter knew the deep was not the place for nets nor the morning for fishing. Jesus is very aware of this, even though we're not told. John tells us nobody needed to tell Jesus anything. He knew what was in every man, right? He's already read the heart of the people in the synagogue of Nazareth, right? <laughs> Peter was a professional fisherman and probably one of the best around, thinking Jesus, listen, stick to what you do best. How often Jesus reads my thoughts and my heart, and I think he doesn't because I'm as human as Peter and as sinful as we'll see as Peter. He submitted to the commands. At your word, I will let down the net. Peter was obeying without any expectation. Peter was acting apart from faith, yet Jesus was going to work a miracle. If we think God can only work when we believe we're crazy, <laughs> he does as he wills. Do you think he needs you? Do you think he is just overjoyed about me? Peter came to the clear understanding of his sinfulness and unworthiness in the presence of Jesus. As we'll see, this is the key. Verse 6 through 8. In verse 6, the catch of fish was not natural. Their simple obedience to the words of Jesus resulted in catching many fish. Primarily here, Peter. And when they had done this, they caught a great number. These professional fishermen had never seen the likes of it. They just returned from an entire night of toiling to the point of exhaustion, and all they got to show for it was dirty nets with grass and sticks and everything else. Their nets could not contain the fish. And the net was breaking. The force of the multitude of fish was so great that they just began to rip the nets open. Notice the corporate effort by the men to bring in the catch was also not natural. Verse 7, Peter gave the sign to the um, other fishermen, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. Probably with their hands. They're at a distance. The word partners there means hired men. They had servants. They had employees. So Peter, James, and John were not in poverty. They weren't wealthy like the positive confession teachers teach, but they had a business. If you have a business today and you have one or two employees, you're not in poverty. So they were all right. Notice the hired servants came quickly. And they came and they filled both the boats. This is not normal. The fishermen witnessed something they had never seen, so that they began to sink. Now, they seen big catches, but not like this one. And because it's not like any other, both these big boats are beginning to sink. God is working the supernatural through the most natural means of the day the conviction 
that came over Peter was like none he had ever experienced due to the witnessing of the miracles of the fish. He is a professional. If you would talk to Peter, he would say, I am the best in the Sea of Galilee. I know this lake like the palm of my hand. He is abased. He's humbled. What does Peter do? Peter worshipped Jesus. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. The scenario was they're in the boat. Jesus fell on his knees. Jesus, being sitting down, would put Peter's face at the level of the knees of Jesus. He was acknowledging he was before the God-man. He's worshiping him. Now, Peter was declaring his abasement before Jesus in deep, genuine humility. Much of this, sadly, is lacking today in our pulpits as well as our pews. The reverence of God, the fear of God. We've kind of made Jesus our community buddy. Now, Peter had seen many other miracles. He had seen the healing of his mother-in-law. He had seen others been healed of disease in the previous chapter. Demon-possessed people. But this was specifically focused and centered on Peter. Jesus is dealing with his heart. And it will be so with you. When God will deal with you and you alone and no one else. And God is going to just nail us. You and I. And he's going to bring us to the point where we fall down at the knees of Jesus. And under the very same words of Peter. Or not. Peter saw his utter sinfulness before Jesus, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter was not asking Jesus to leave the boat, but declaring he was not worthy to be in the same boat in his presence. Now Peter had witnessed many miracles, I said, in the previous chapter, verse 38 through 41. But this one was directed to him. Peter was declaring that Jesus should leave and depart from Peter as soon as the boat hit the shore. You shouldn't have anything to do with me, Jesus. Peter gave the reason. He saw himself for who he really was, a sinful man. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to really believe it. Because we are so prone to think more highly of ourselves, we forget how rotten we are. Or we refuse to acknowledge how rotten we are. By the way, he calls him Lord Curios, one who owns and possesses him, not master no more. <laughs> the proximity of you to Jesus is going to let you know exactly who you are. There'll be no question about that. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's where we want to be. That our boldness, our confidence is in him with a broken, humble spirit that looks to him and him alone, committed in every way, in every area. Pastor Xavier Reese illustrating with the call of Jesus on Peter to cast out his fishing nets, we too are encouraged to cast our cares upon the Lord. 
Now you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. Now, if you won't be able to tune in, though, you can always pick up your own copy of this study on CD for just $4. The title to request is The Call of Peter. And why not share it with a friend when you're through? Once again, the title to ask for is The Call of Peter, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for helping us by mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese from the Gospel of Luke coming right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com